We praise you in the name of Jesus. Shalom. In English, it's peace. Hallelujah. In Hebrew, it's completeness, wholeness. It's uh, all. <laughs>
give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. So, with all creation, we sing. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to worship the Lord, and as we do that, as you choose to enter into God's presence, He'll show up and He'll do what we want Him to do, what we need Him to do. Whatever kind of hearts we have this morning, whether it's hearts of uh, anxiety or frustration or anger, or, or maybe we're just, we're just wondering, maybe there's chaos in our lives, maybe we're wondering about what's going to happen next week or next year or 10 years from now. Can we just all lay that stuff down? Say, Lord, here today, we choose to worship you. We choose to honor you. I want to read you out of Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yes. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they all stumbled and fell. And though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise up against me. In this, I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place, of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Hallelujah. Now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Thank you, Jesus. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That word wait, it means to, to not just wait, but it's like you're, you're being twisted together with the Lord. That he's collecting. He's collecting things to place into you. And we're collecting things that the Lord is putting into us. And we are becoming one with him. And when we wait on the Lord, when we become one with him, then all these things we just read about, it's just normal, everyday life for us. We're going to see the Lord in everything. We're going to see his hand in everything. We're going to experience his fullness and his blessing in everything. So this morning, Lord, we choose. We choose to worship you. We choose to wait on you. We choose to allow you to collect up everything in us that needs to be taken away and collect up everything in you that wants to be poured into us and just make us into one, Lord, this morning in your presence. Change us, oh God. From glory to glory as we are transformed in your presence this morning. We lay all of our burdens, all of our cares, we lay it before you. We choose to worship you because you alone are worthy and you alone are God. And this morning, we choose to worship you. Come now and have your way, Lord Jesus. Speak to each one of us. Touch us where we need it. Change us and heal us and deliver us and set us free in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's work. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. Peggy gave me something to, to share with you, and I believe this really is appropriate. Uh, this says, worship is not just about songs we sing or a place we go. It's about a relationship we have. And all relationships need time together to grow in friendship. Our best friends are those we can sit together in silence and still enjoy the pleasure of each other's presence. Something special happens in our relationship with God when we value lingering in his presence just being together. When we spend time in his presence as a natural part of our day-to-day, moment-to-moment life, we become transforming catalysts in whatever environment or place we go. And as we linger in his presence, we become a transformed people who the Holy Spirit can use to transform places. So Lord, we do want to linger. We want to wait on you this morning. The most important thing that we're going to do this morning is be in your presence. We're not going to rush. We're not going to be in a hurry because you, Lord, you want us to be comfortable in your presence. You want us to be in a place where you can speak to us, where you can touch us, and you can shine your light of revelation into us. So, Lord, this morning, we choose to wait. We choose to wait while you speak to each one of us. Right at our very points of need where where we need an answer, speak. Where we need peace, Lord, fill us with your peace. We've got fear, Lord. Just let your perfect love come and just overthrow all of our fear. Lord, where we need assurance, show us who you are. Let us know your goodness and your greatness so that we'll trust in you fully. Speak, Lord. Speak to each one of us. Yeah, so that's just confirmation. The Lord's been speaking to me all morning, and he put two scriptures on my heart, and he said, uh, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. And Jesus said, I give you peace not like the world gives. And the world's idea of peace is when there's no turmoil, there's no problems in our life, everything's smooth sailing. But Jesus demonstrated the peace that he offers when he was sleeping in the boat while the storm was raging around him. And I'm telling you, in these times, brothers and sisters, we got a storm raging around us. But if we'll keep, if we'll just keep our minds stayed on him, you know that that peace that Terry's talking about, hatred can't exist in that peace. Racism cannot exist in that peace. Rioting cannot exist in that peace. Only peace, hope, and love exists in his presence. Somebody, I don't care what your circumstances are. When we're in that peace, the circumstances don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is his presence and that peace that he's bringing. So don't look at your circumstances. If we'll keep our mind stayed on him. He'll give us that perfect peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
So, Lord, we receive that peace this morning. Yes. Help us, Lord. Like the man that said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, help us to keep our eyes focused on you so that we're not, we're not looking at all the distractions and all the cares of this life. We're looking at you. You are our peace. You're the one who broke down all the walls of separation. Lord, I know Paul was talking about between the, the Jews and the Gentiles, but Lord, break down the walls of separation in this nation, Lord. All the different things that separate us, whether it's a political uh, mindset or whether it's some kind of nationality or racial thing or whether it's money, occupations, whatever it might be that causes us to think that other people are different than we are. Tear down that wall of separation by your great peace, Lord. Because we're all equal in your side. You love us all the same. You love the sinner and you love the saint. You love the terrorist and you love the preacher. You love us all, Lord. Your love is beyond our comprehension. It is so wide and long and deep and high that we can't ever comprehend it, but you're trying to reveal it to us day by day as we wait on you, Lord. By your spirit and through your word, you speak to us and you show us your great love. So Lord, help us to love like you do. Forgive us for judging others because they might have a different skin color, or they might have a different hairstyle, or they might believe a little differently. They might vote differently. Whatever the difference is, help us to look beyond all that and see right into people's souls and know that they are people that you cared so much about that you gave everything. You gave your son, Father, so that everyone could come to know you. Help us to be like you, Father, and see people as you see them. Hear them the way you hear them. Touch them the way you touch them. Restore this nation, Lord, to a nation that puts you first, a nation that would trust in you and, and allow your peace to overthrow all of this darkness and all this chaos and lawlessness and hatred that's rising up. It's only in you, Lord. There's no politician. There's no, there's no city council. There's no police department. Only you can change the heart. And we need a heart change. Let it begin with me, Lord. Let it begin with me. Let me love like you. Let me see like you see. Let me humble myself and serve like you serve, Lord Jesus. Let me be willing to give myself fully. Let your people, those that are called by your name, begin to humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Call on you and seek your face so that you can heal us, Lord. It's the only way we can be healed when we turn to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Change us today, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, amen and amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you, guys. Yes, you can. Just let me bring this to you.
concerning what the, I think the Lord's been speaking to us about peace this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we need peace at this time more than any other time, maybe. I, I was reminded before you went up there, Psalms 91, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. It says, Whose power no enemy can withstand. God is, God is asking us to dwell in Him, to dwell in Him. That's something we God's putting on my heart here lately, that we are responsible for doing some things. And He's saying, you dwell in me. And then it says, I will. David said, I will. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He knew who He was talking about. And I'm going to share real fast. I my, my granddaughter has been living in this peace, and it's under it's just beyond understanding. She's so... She was not supposed to be able to have another child after her five-year-old uh, was born, and they wanted one, and they prayed, and they believed. They stood for, and said, God, we want this, this child so much, and they believed, and they believed, and for five years, and the doctors had said, probably not, just not possible, but she got pregnant, and then she tried to come. The baby tried to come too early, way too early. Uh, they put her in the hospital, and, and she was distressed. She was... She was upset, but she prayed this peace. She stood. I saw my granddaughter and my grandson stand whenever there was any no reason for them to stand because they had everything falling around them. They were trying to close on a house and trying to do so many things, and she's in the hospital with her five-year-old son not able to visit, with people not able to come and visit her. She's there by herself, but the Lord was there. And she said, you know, I've got peace about all this because she was believing in that peace that we've been talking about this morning, that peace that you can dwell in, that you can, you can feel. It's, 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 it's so real to us. And she had a baby, and it's two days old, and she's fine, and everything is great. They kept her. They wanted to keep her for longer, for uh, but she, she stayed for almost three weeks. She had her baby pr uh, Saturday, and she's fine, and she's doing fine breathing mostly on her own, but she's still got some fight ahead of her, but she's a fighter, and we just believe good things, and we, but we have entered into that peace, and I want to tell you, God will provide you with that peace if you will enter in. Okay, so... I guess God's trying to tell us he wants us to be at peace. You know, when you get uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we've had several, several of those. And I think man, we're just getting started good. Um, Brother Kim is here. He's going to bring the word to us in a minute. I, I like it when he comes because what I've been saying for about six months, you know, it's taken me hours and hours and hours. He comes and says it all again in about 45 minutes and it's better than what I did. And it's like, wow, you know, it's a great confirmation. And, and uh, always enjoy it because it is a confirmation. That's why God sends outside voices into our body is to help us uh, make sure we're staying on track, make sure we're moving the right direction. And so I'm excited to have him. I do have a couple of quick announcements. Um, so we got June birthdays. We don't have a bulletin, but everybody's got a June birthday. Happy birthday to you. Okay, so um, we got our children's church to back up and going again, and uh, we'll be dismissing them here in a little bit. Um, Bonnie, who's doing children's church today? Susie? Okay. Okay. And then, uh, wow, we had a great turnout at that Parker County prayer gathering the other day. That was, uh, it was a good time. And... Uh, I was especially pleased with our local state representative, Phil King. The guy can pray now, I'm telling you. He, he's a believer, and uh, he prayed a, a great prayer. So 
It's going, uh, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think God's people are becoming inspired to want to to want to pray and seek and change and allow God to heal this land. Uh, I was just told this morning that John Brewster passed away this week, and I, I didn't even know about it, but a lot of you may know John. He pastored uh, um, Outreach of Love Church over there on, it used to be on the Fort Worth Highway. I don't know where, where it was at the end, but uh, still there. Many, many years. Uh, he actually, he and I served together back from when I first got out of Bible college, I was the associate pastor, and he was the youth pastor, and then they fired me, and he kept going, so, uh, you know, <laughs> what can I say? <clears throat> um, so, we've got all kinds of things going on. Uh, we're starting to have meetings again. Uh, we're going to be having men's and women's meetings again before long, and we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, we already have the, uh, the women's Bible study on Wednesday, the intercessory prayer still meeting. If you'd like to be involved in that, you can talk to Gene. And... Um, also, uh, Brother Mike Bogdanoff's uh, Sunday morning adult Bible class is going to be starting back up next week, and uh, I think that's going to be exciting because he, he sent me a little deal describing what it's going to be like. They're going to be in 1 John, and uh, it's not going to be just like a, a lesson where he teaches. He's going to tell you ahead of time what to go and read and study and pray over and let God speak to you, and then each week you're all going to come and share what God uh, showed you about those verses. So. I'd like to be there, but I'm going to be over here praying. So if you don't come early, you're missing out on opportunities. That's at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, and uh, it's a good time. If you want to come not quite that early, you can come at 9.30 and pray with us. So there's good things that happen before service. Uh, I want to remind you also about our giving. Last week we, we gave uh, to... Uh, the missions need adopt a pastor, the four square pastors that are that are having financial needs and can't have enough food. They're literally starving all over the world. So we sent money, and if you still have that on your heart, uh, you're welcome to continue to give. You can call it uh, FDR or adopt a pastor, or, you know, whatever you want to do. Just make a note on your offering. And also, um, we do have a guest speaker this morning. And I want to encourage you to, you know, prayerfully consider uh, blessing him because this man makes his living by preaching the gospel now. And, uh, you know, if we don't, we don't bless him a little bit, God will have to raise up somebody else to do it, and I'd just soon be us. So uh, let's be generous. So that's all the announcements unless somebody else has something. Going once, twice, three times, all right. So stand up. And I'm not going to tell you to go shake hands, but stand up and look at everybody and smile and nod and and you'll give long-distance high-fives and all that stuff, and then we'll be ready to go on with the Word. I was dead in my transgressions, wandering in sin. I went searching for redemption down a road that had no end.
Okay. Man, that was good. It's because we got a guest speaker, I guess that's why. When I do that normally, they just keep talking, music keeps playing, whatever. Well, okay, you're acting, you're acting right this morning, that's good. So, I just want to uh, encourage you to, to receive uh, what Brother Kim brings this morning. You know, he's, he's been around a long time, and he's, uh, he's served the Lord for many years. He built a, a wonderful church in Waxahachie and uh, made a great handoff to, to the other fellow when he retired, and, uh, and we've, we've had a good relationship with Josh since then as well. And so... Uh, Kim, he knows, he knows the Lord, he knows how to mentor and train and teach people, and he's a fine speaker. Amen. So we're looking forward to what God's put on your heart this morning, and uh, I'm not in any hurry, uh, but, you know, we do have a life, so uh, <laughs> come bless us, Brother Kim, let's give him one. Amen, thank you. <laughs> I was trained by my pastor who said, you do not have to speak eternal for it to be immortal. So, uh, and uh, I was also taught if you don't strike oil in 30 minutes, quit boring. So uh, hopefully we'll get right to the point this morning. So, well, thanks for having me. And hey, thank you uh, as a church. I, I don't know, you know, during all the virus situation, as you can imagine, a person like I do, all your speaking appointments get canceled. So that means income goes away. And your church has always been a good support to us. And so uh, your pastor made a contribution towards us during that time. So we're grateful to you and feel very connected and love you very much. I'm personally in a place where I live with a little sense of disturbance on the inside, which is a good thing. Uh, you probably thought I was going to say that's a bad thing. I think when God wants to bring something new, he makes us unrestful with what we have. Because we'll hang on to things and not let go of things, and we won't make room for what God wants to bring sometimes. We're creatures of habit and routine. We don't like change. But change is the way the kingdom of God works. It's a transformational community. So we should always be changing and should always be growing and advancing in our lives. And I've come to this conclusion in my life. I've uh, I pastored in Waxahachie, Texas for 24 years. I was promoted within the Foursquare organization as a supervisor. So I oversaw six states of churches as a supervisor and did training and trained people to start new churches. I served on the Foursquare Cabinet, which oversaw the nation of Foursquare churches, so I've had those positions. I've had a bachelor's degree from Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie. I have a master's degree in strategic leadership and a doctor's degree in leadership development. Here's what it's all come down to me. There's this scripture that talks about Jesus was in the room and people gathered unto him. I don't think people come to see me. Isn't it crazy you have to get that educated to figure out that you don't really have nothing to offer? <laughs> that if people don't meet Jesus, they're not going to get where they need to go. 
If all we get out of this today is you hear me say something, we come up short of what God has for us. And that's the challenge for a person like me or a person like you is that when we talk, when we're finished, did they hear Jesus or did they hear us? That's a big deal. And that means I really want to be led of the Spirit of God, that somehow Jesus can sneak through me <laughs> to talk with you. Well, we're in a beginning stage of emerging from a time of uh, whatever word you want to use it, isolation, quarantine, whatever. And uh, there were several lessons I learned during that time. One of them was it really doesn't take the government long to shut the church down if they really want to. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, the other was, it was interesting that I went to the old church that I pastored, and, and of course no one was in the congregation, and uh, they were doing a live feed. And they asked me to come on over and speak and do the live feed. And the worship team played to an empty room, and they worshiped better than I ever heard them worship. They worshiped so good that I cried the entire time. And then I realized they were singing to God and not to the crowd. Isn't it incredible how things change when it's just you and God? Things change. And another lesson I learned is that uh, the church probably needs to change. And, you know, a lot of people said, boy, I'll be glad when things get back to normal. And I said, I hope not because normal hadn't worked real good. And I know what we mean by those kind of things. But personally, as all the changes started to take place, I didn't have anything to say about it. And I'm just one of those kind of people, if God doesn't tell me to say something, I don't say anything. And then when he does say, say something, I just say what he says. And I don't need to embellish it, and I don't need to add to it. And I really didn't know... Uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not one of those people saying I've got my arms around the big picture of everything because a lot of things have been said during this time. You know, one person would say, this is the judgment of God. And the other person says, well, you know, dude, things just happen. <laughs> so we go from one extreme to the other extreme and a lot of different things put in between. And... Uh, when God finally said something to me, it was just one thing. It's not everything, but I felt like it was one very important thing that he wanted his church to understand, to remember, and to reinstitute in, their, in, in the life of the church. And that's the one thing that I want to talk to you about. And he showed it to me on Palm Sunday, the day of Jesus' triumphal entry into the city. A city which was not what the Jewish people wanted at the time. It had come under Roman occupation. And the threat of death was on them that if you didn't obey that government, they would crucify you back then. It was a time of heavy taxation. People couldn't pay their bills. And that, the Jesus, that when Jesus walked into the city, it wasn't into a beautiful environment at that particular time. 
And I started thinking about how we were struggling with the whole virus things, jobs shut down. We didn't have the money coming in holistically throughout the nation. And it brought similar kind of changes and we had to do things we didn't want to have to do. And it just altered our environment. And that we're, it was similar to it. And as I began to think about that, I had this crazy thought of this guy from England that I heard say something one time about how his life had been impacted by God. And he goes, you know, I was God smacked. <laughs> and I thought, that, isn't that funny that smack means to hit with the palm of the hand, and this is Palm Sunday. And before the day is out, Jesus is going to walk into the temple of God and he's going to God smack that place and turn the table over and kick people out. And I thought, boy, there's some church growth techniques. <laughs> Let's train the ushers to smack people at the door. Pow! You know, what, what, what's going on? You know, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Pow! That'll grow your church right there, right? But Jesus wrecked the house of God that day. And it wasn't what they were expecting. Have you ever had that happen to you where you were asking God to do something and what he did was not what you wanted or expected? But he's always working his purpose. So that had me all thinking. And so I really want to talk about that and talk about the triumphal entry because when Jesus come in and disrupted, disrupted the church, or the house of God that day, it gives us a pretty strong hint what he's looking for when he shows up. And wouldn't it surprise us that he might be looking for something in the house of God that's different from what we're looking for? Maybe what he's looking for is what pleases his father, and we could be looking for what pleases us. Because let's face it, when we think about going to church, well, the church I want to go to, I want. And we list it out. What does he want? That's a big, big question to ask. Well, so far, hadn't I just given you chills and you're so excited and can't <laughs> wait to hear this, right? Uh, so let me talk about a triumphal entry for a moment. It was not an unusual practice back in those days. In fact, the Romans employed triumphal entry after every battle. They would come in and they would conquer an enemy. And I've been to Rome and I've seen the big arches that they built that the conquering leader. I saw the Arch of Constantine in Rome. And after Constantine had defeated his brother-in-law at the Milvian Bridge and declared himself to be emperor of Rome, he marches through that arch with everyone cheering the conquering king. And typically, the people they had defeated were marched and stripped down, sometimes nude in front of everybody, so they would see, I have power over you, and this enemy no longer is a threat to anybody because I now control him and have conquered him and have stripped him down. So, so a triumphal entry was something that the Romans used regularly. And uh, in some situations, it was uh, absolutely horrific what you would see. 
And that Jesus' triumphal entry, however, was completely different than that. It didn't look that way at all. And uh, in fact, he was riding into a context that had not been conquered. The Romans were still in charge. He was riding into a situation that looked vastly different than what most conquering kings rode into at that particular time. And the Romans would have recognized the symbolism of what Jesus was doing on that day. Now the Jewish people saw that the Messiah was coming and that he was coming to knock the Romans off their donkey. Yeah, that's what they thought were happening that day. Here he comes. The Messiah has come. It's all about to change. He's going to knock the Romans down, send them back where they come from, and peace is going to come back to Jerusalem. That's what he thought was going to happen that day. And you would kind of get the idea that they might have had a little bit of an attitude about it. It's kind of like my little niece when she got into peewee football. They had this little cheer that went. <laughs> it was funny. It went like this. It's, she said, these little bitty girls are going, ooh, she's bad. Ooh, baby, don't make me mad. Ooh, you think she's sweet? Sweetest chick you ever meet. And I thought, that don't have nothing to do with football at all. <laughs> but it sure had a lot of attitude in it. <laughs> and it's almost like the, the Jews are there on that particular day and going, you know, here comes Jesus and they're going, ooh, he's bad. Old Romans don't make him mad. Ooh, you think you strong? You ain't going to be here very long. So it's kind of like something like that. And they are rejoicing because they feel like the answer has finally come. They're shouting, waving palm branches, doing the robot. They're doing it all out there. And we could talk about the symbolism of Jesus riding a donkey rather than a war horse. Rather than a steed snorting and panting for the battle, he comes riding in on a donkey. And the Romans would have thought, this is a comedy show. No, seriously. Because when you survey history, Crassius was one of the greatest of the Roman senators and the richest man in Rome, and helped to turn it into an empire. And you know the story. He fought against Spartacus and an uprising of slaves that Spartacus, and, and he crucified them unmercifully. And in his triumphal entry, he lined the road into Rome with 6,000 crucified people. And he was making this bold, outlandish statement. If you deal with Rome... And I decide you die, you will die. I control you. I make decisions for you. I am your greatest nightmare. And it was a fearful, controlling environment. That's what Rome would see. And they see Jesus coming off the hill on a donkey. And they're going, this is a comedy show. But can I say this? But something was happening they weren't seeing. Man can think things are a comedy show, but God is always working his purpose. You can be going through things in your life 
that can be completely disrupting and don't think there's an answer, but God is always at work behind the scenes working his purpose out for our lives. And we understand that, that there's a huge principle here for life, that there's always more at work than what your eyes can see. Always. God's always fulfilling his purpose. He's always moving his plan forward. And he's usually working more than one thing at the same time. And that circumstances never Never, never change his purpose. They cannot alter what God wants. You know, I like to think I'm an expert, <laughs> but there's always more going on than what I can see. And Palm Sunday is this huge transitional moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. He's coming basically from a more casual relationship into a big, gigantic, citywide public acknowledgement before the whole empire that he's coming into the city and they have no idea that he's going to God smack them with the new reality that day. And it's not going to be the one they thought it was. <clears throat> Everybody okay so far? <clears throat> you still like me? I like you. So the event is recorded in Matthew 21 as the day that Jesus makes his triumphal entry. I'm going to pick up on that story where he's at the top of the Mount of Olives. He's going to ride down the Kidron Valley and go up towards the Golden Gate. I've seen that. It's magnificent to look at. And as he starts to draw near that point where the descent starts to go down, this huge crowd starts to gather around him. People are getting in front of him and people are getting in behind him. And they're laying their clothing down to make a carpet before him and taking palm branches and laying it down. And they're shouting their praises out to the Lord. And that's what I want to look at. I want to look at that praise, Matthew 21, 9. It says, Hosanna to the Son of David. The word Hosanna is a very important word. It is only used for the Messiah. It is not used anywhere else. And they, they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So Hosanna is only used for the Messiah. Which means it is the highest kind of praise because it is the praise for the one they have been waiting for all their lives. It is the apex of praise. It is the highest kind of praise. It is greater than normal. It is more than moderate. It exceeds all others. It is the highest because it's focused on the Messiah. It's focused on the one that comes from the deepest longing and cry. We want to be freed from this oppression and we're calling out to the only one that we know that can do this for us. Every longing, every passion, every desire is attached to this praise of these people. It would be like you've waited your whole life for someone you deeply love and you've heard about it and then one day you see them with your eyes. And the whole game changes in that moment when you see him. And they know that this Jesus is the one they have always waited for. 
It'll be just like us. We've talked about him. We've preached about him. But one day, we'll walk through those gates and we will see him. And everything will melt away. And your heart will be so deeply captivated because now you've seen him. So it's an incredible moment. It's an incredible kind of praise, and it's key to our understanding of the moment. What they are talking about is literally the fulfillment of Psalms 118, which, theolo which theologians call a messianic psalm. It is a psalm where King David is literally prophetically talking about the moment when the Messiah comes in before it happens. And it's full of meaning for us to understand. You understand right now, I'm building a background for what it is I feel like that one thing is I need to say. I need us to see the whole context that it's set in. And Psalms 118, 25 through 26 says this, Save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So there's three big observations about this messianic psalm that we've got to get. First is there's a double emphasis on prayer. You talked about that this morning, Pastor, about the importance of prayer. There's a double, I pray, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, I pray. It's like I pray, I shift gears, I take it to a higher notch, to the highest praise, and I pray again. That the double emphasis of prayer is in the Messianic Psalm, and it gives us a hint when Jesus comes to his house what he's looking for. And you know what it's going to say, my house shall be a house of prayer. And so there's that double emphasis in understanding the deep prophetic implications that cannot be ignored of how important prayer is to God. Not how important prayer is to me, how important him having a conversation with you is to him. That the biggest thing of all of this stuff is what he's always longed for as a father is a relationship with his kids where he talks with them and they talk back with him. That's the big stuff of life. Here's what I know. When this whole thing is over with, and the day that your pastor is brought up before the Lord, God's not going to do this. Now, how many did you run in church? That's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, Terry, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you talk to me and let me talk to you and do something with what we talked about? This could be dramatically more simple than what we make it. In other words, it's a relationship. So pray and pray some more. Y'all, a lot of you, you you've, you've served the Lord long enough to know this, that we used to say there was a big difference between an eating meeting and a prayer meeting. Everybody come to the eating meeting, and hardly anybody would go to the prayer meeting. And some reason we think, you know, 
that a T-bone steak is more important than a conversation with God. Now, it's pretty important. I mean, I'm telling you that, but you don't understand what I mean. And then we could get together and have a conversation with one another. The second thing is that from this psalm, it says that Messiah comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus didn't come representing himself. He came representing the heart of his Father and what the Father wanted. Jesus didn't come to do what we want him to do. Jesus came to do what his Father wanted him to do. I only say the things I hear my Father say. I only do the things I see my Father do. He was the perfect image of the Father, so he could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he comes to do the Father's bidding. And last of all, it was about blessing coming from the house of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So it tells us that when the Messiah comes, he's looking for this double emphasis of prayer. He's looking to do what God wants done, and he wants to be sure that we bless God out of the house of the Lord. So you got to hold those things in the back of your mind as I'm moving us forward. Now, that whole psalm said things like this. Let those who fear say his mercy endures forever. So the context that it's set in is something is going on that David is seeing that needs mercy. So the situation isn't real good when Messiah comes because mercy's needed. And then it says... I called on the Lord in my distress. So something distressful is going on at that time. And then it says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. So something's going on that would make them fear. And he goes on to say, I will not fear what men can do to me. So apparently some people are mistreating other people at the time of the Messiah showing up. And I, he said, I see my desire on those who hate me, and I will not have confidence in men. And so something is going on that is very hateful during this particular time that the triumphal entry and the Messiah is supposed to go on. So we're starting to see the atmosphere is pretty supercharged atmosphere that Jesus walks into, prophetically speaking, before it ever happens. That's what, the, that's what they're saying it would be. And it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. And the word is, don't put your confidence in men. Keep your confidence in God. That's why the Bible says things. Keep your mind on things above and not on the things of this world. And that's one of our big challenges right now because as human beings, if we're not careful, we will let the things of this world and our confidence in men determine how we think rather than keeping our mind on God. And then he said, the nations surround me like bees and push me violently that I might fall. This is not a good environment that this messianic, the cry of Hosanna, which means save me, the highest kind of praise. Save me because all this mess is going on. 
is what he's saying in that situation. So he calls upon the Lord in his distress. And in my estimation, there is financial disruption as well because remember the psalm said, sin prosperity. So the whole situation, and that's when it clicked for me. I'm looking at all this mess going on, and then I'm looking at what's going on in our world right now, and I go, it looks a whole lot like that. And I really want Jesus to show up right now and save me. In the same kind of way that they wanted Messiah to show up and save me. The Roman taxation system back then was horrible. It was called a patronage system. So basically this, Rome conquered the Jewish people. So Caesar demanded tribute. You pay me to protect you now. That's what he was saying. And so then Caesar would go to Herod and say, now I'm appointing you to collect my tribute and my taxes for me. And Herod says, well, I'm not doing it for nothing. So he adds some taxes for himself onto Caesar's taxes. And then he puts it out to the elite of the day and gives them the responsibility to tax collects for him. And he gives it to the highest bidder. So all the elite then add taxes for themselves because everybody's got to get paid. And then they take it to the local tax collectors that all the Jewish people hated. You remember, you know from studying the scriptures, they hated the tax collectors, and they added some on for themselves, so everybody, and so by the time it got to the everyday person, it had been quadrupled the amount to the point that it was oppressive that they couldn't afford to pay the taxes anymore. So no wonder they're saying, oh God, send prosperity. We need an answer for this situation. And listen, please, please hear my heart. I'm not talking about this from any kind of political bent at all. I'm talking about the circumstances of the day that Jesus was coming into. And they were expecting him to get them out of that. The Messiah has come. And that is their cry. Save us now and fix everything. Which, may I say, is the most dangerous prayer on God's green earth. Fix everything, God. Okay. <laughs> everything it is. Oh, boy. That means he starts peeking in places we don't want to go. Huh? Because he fixes everything. The word Hosanna and, and, and that whole Feast of Tabernacles is when they typically celebrated the coming of the Messiah. But this is Passover. But they're celebrating Messiah like they would have tabernacled because they knew that was, that was the Messiah. Which meant the season of rejoicing. That's what Sukkot, our tabernacle, has is the season of great rejoicing. So they're rejoicing. They believe the answer has come and was coming off that mountain that day. It's a big moment for them. They see him fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy 
and 9-9. Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion, O daughter of Jerusalem. Shout, behold, your king is coming to you, riding on a donkey. They go, there it is. There it is. Now, I told you the word Hosanna means save now. And I also described to you how in the Psalms and in the circumstances, the whole environment was horrible, and they were wanting relief. And they believed Messiah had come to set them free. The same players were involved then that are involved today. There were government leaders and parties that were opposed to each other, the Romans and the Jews against one another. It was politically supercharged. National influences were flowing, financial upheaving, people were fear-driven, there were control factors, the impositions of new laws, isolation, unwanted restrictions, there were zealots, there were patriots, there were the everyday people just trying to pound out of living. They were all there then and they're all here now. And it's kind of like us that when the virus was an enemy that entered the land with a death threat, right? The Romans used crucifixion for their death threat. It was different, but it was a death threat. Bred a lot of fear. I mean, come on. It bred a lot of fear. I'm still scratching my head how was the first thing to change in our world was all the toilet paper disappeared off the shelf. I'm trying to get that one. <laughs> I guess the word virus made people think it was going to be a lot of diarrhea. That's all I can guess. And I hope we don't get a problem with respiratory because we're probably, you know, I mean, you would have thought we would have sold out a nose spray, so I hope if we don't get a case of diarrhea that they buy the nose spray up next. You know, I don't know. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> the word Hosanna means save now. It means Open wide, make free, make safe, preserve, rescue, bring salvation, get us a victory, God. And that's what they thought Jesus was bringing. The benediction, the blessing rested upon him. The final word and say, rest with the Lord. And they were saying and beseeching him to come. It's a cry for change. And they wanted that triumphal entry to come and bring them victory to open things back up again, to make it normal again, and to touch them spirit, soul, and body. And I thought about those kind of things, you know. Every time my whole life that I have preached about Palm Sunday, I always preach about God getting us the victory. Or I'll preach about the power of praise and worship. Or... I will talk about salvation of man, spirit, soul, and body. I just never talked about that last part of the psalm that talked about the blessing that comes out of the house of the Lord. Hmm. And that's the part I think we miss about triumphal entry. And that's the part that started to inform me a little bit about the design of the house of the Lord so that we say, we bless you, and not just, Lord, bless me. Everybody understand that when you bless the Lord, that's how you get blessed the most. But if you're saying, God, bless me, and you don't bless him, it's reverse the flow of this. 
Here's my greatest desire in my life. This is what I long for. More than having all my bills paid, and obviously I would love that. More than having this, that thing, possession. More than that is I want to hear that phrase in the Bible where he locks eyes with me and says, well done, good, faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for. Is that I had the privilege of bringing delight to his heart. And I made God smile. And I made God laugh. That I just gave him what he was looking for. I think I'd be pretty fulfilled with that. But something's not working in Jerusalem that way. And when Jesus comes to make the triumphal entry, they're saying, blessed is he who comes. And now he comes. And he comes on a specific purpose to fulfill the Father's desire. He comes with a specific focus and on mission. He comes to represent his father and his father's desires. He comes as his father's champion that day. And he comes in the name of the Lord, not in his own name. And that contains the real issue. As the father's representative and ambassador, he is not going to launch the war the people are expecting. He's going to wage a different kind of war that has to do with how blessing comes from the house of the Lord. Yeah. What I'm saying today, I, I hope I'm not just shooting missiles out over the top of people's head. The church was never designed to be a place that you come on Sunday and hear singing and talking about God. It was a 24-7, around-the-clock deal where everybody were members that functioned in the body of Christ, and everybody did their part. And that's what made people see Jesus functioning and walking. And it was more than a service. And it was more than an entertainment. It was a meeting with God himself. And over the years, I've learned this big lesson, and I bet you have too, that sometimes when I ask God for things, I really don't know everything I'm asking for. You had that experience? That I think I know, but often the things I want require more changes than I know. And that sometimes when I'm asking something for myself, it means he needs to move this and get this person here, and he needs to orchestrate things to ultimately bring it over to here. And that it's not just this quick fix thing all the time that we tend to think. That sometimes what we ask for involves more people, situations, and circumstances than we realize. And we ask God to change things, and we discover he starts in a different place than we think he should start. It's like, Lord, change my wife. 
Okay, let's work on you because a better husband will help her. Wait, hold. <laughs> the change required work in areas that I didn't even think about. And God starts to fix everything, and we seldom realize that his starting place for what I'm asked for might be me. <laughs> and this is one of those days, because the people have been crying out for Messiah to come fix everything. We're oppressed by the Romans. Gentiles are running by the land. We're having to live by their laws. They're crying out, we want everything fixed. We want you to kick them out, send them back home, and let's enter into the millennial reign of a thousand years of peace. And we, we hear people saying the same things today about what we don't like and that sort of thing, and there's an observation here. We always want external changes first, and God tends to work from the inside out. They wanted a conquering king that would dethrone Rome, remove them from the streets, send them back where they came from. But instead, Jesus came off the top of that mountain. He did not stop and talk to anybody. He did not address Roman leaders. He did not address who was in charge. He walked straight off into the temple of God first. This is where it has me. I know there's a lot of stuff that's messed up right now, but here's what I'm really responsible for. I'm responsible for what he's telling me to do. Because if I am whom God makes me to be, then I can have the kind of influence that can help you, are you, are you. And you can have the kind of influence that could help me. And that together with the touch of God on our lives, we have an opportunity to alter some things because I'm living to please God and not living to please myself. I'm not even living to please men anymore that I'm surrendered to the Lord, and I'm letting him work on me. Can I quote a few scriptures to help reorient us this morning? Judge not that you be not judged. Get the beam out of your own eye so you can see to get the moat Wait a minute, God, they have the bigger problem, right? No, no, son, the beam's in your eye. They have a splinter. You got a beam. Isn't it amazing how I tend to see things in other people's lives bigger than in my own life? And all of a sudden I see what God's up to. He's coming in a triumphal entry into Jerusalem to start at the house of God. Because ladies and gentlemen, people say, judgment's coming. And I will say, yes, it is. And judgment begins at the house 
of God. We're real anxious for God to come and smack the thing, but we might find ourselves getting smacked first. It's not a malicious smack. It's not a mean smack. It's a correction that changes the way the house functions. Because in Jerusalem, the house of God had been changed from what God wanted it to be. Remember what he said when he went in there? You have made my house a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And what he was saying is, you stole from me what I wanted to get what you wanted. So I, I, I just, I want this to reorient us a little bit. I, I hope you don't feel like, well, here's this dude from the outside. He's come in and he's just whooping on us this morning. No, I'm talking about how I'm taking a whooping right now. I'm talking about a disturbance that's in me and a disturbance. And I'm talking about this magnificent, gigantic situation called triumphal entry where Jesus didn't come and smack the enemy that day. He didn't come in and smack everybody else. He came into his own house and turned the tables over and messed with their money. <laughs> he changed things that day. And I'm like, oh, Lord. In the deep theological words of Quick Draw McGraw, hold on there, Baba Louie. <laughs> You're starting in the wrong place. First uh -huh. Peter 4, 17, the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of the Lord, and it begins with us first. Then what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? In other words, if the church isn't flowing with the blessing of God, it's not going to be good for everybody else either. We got to make sure. We got to make sure that it's working. And Jesus knew something that he didn't know that day. And he started in the unexpected place. He started with the ones that were crying for change the most. And he said, okay, I'm going to start with you. You want change? Let's start with you. And he said, how about that double emphasis of prayer? How about let's start there? You know, I know sometimes we, what if we found out that maybe we had made church a little different than what he wanted? If he wants a house of prayer, what do you think people ought to see more than anything else? If I go to the International House of Pancakes, I am expecting some pancakes when I get in there. If you go to a house of prayer, you ought to find prayer. What would it be like if every time people came to our church, they went out and said, I don't know everything about that church, but they pray. That would be a good thing. Are we supposed to have worship in God's house? Supposed to have the word? We say those things, but how do we make prayer so very important that it's easy to see? And we had a prayer time today, which I liked. But I also think we need to make sure that we always have the opportunity to talk to God 
and let God talk to us. So that's important. And that we have to function in the name of the Lord and for the blessing of the Lord to come. And it's incredible. This is what I think happened. This is one thing that I think God is saying. We got to rethink how prayer works in the church. And I think I think we got sent to the prayer closet. I think all of a sudden God says, this is how I'm going to say caused it. But this is how I'm going to use everything that happened. I'm all the excuses. You can't use your kids for an excuse, there's too many school activities. Well, those got taken away. You couldn't even say, well, everything I'm preparing for church because we didn't go to church. So that got taken away. So most everything that we usually say could be a problem or a hindrance. Even our jobs, for some of us, got taken away. Are restricted in some kind of way, and then we didn't have that. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves placed on pause with us and God. And maybe, maybe, just saying maybe, we got sent to our room to pray. And to reflect. And to think about church. And to think about how quickly church can change. Is it supposed to just be a service that can just get canceled and be out of bed? What does church really look like? What is this thing supposed to be? How are we supposed to process this? And I know I can't just make up stuff. I really need to talk to God and hear him talk back to me to know what that looks like. Because did you think about it? This is how I thought about it. Well, what if we didn't have Facebook? What if all of a sudden we were banned from it? Then how would the church have functioned? So I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. But here's what I want to tell you at the conclusion of all of this. Is that Jesus went and turned the tables over. He whipped some people out with a nice Hawaiian punch. Now that's another one right there. That's a perspective of Jesus you got to admit is hard for you to get your mind around because he did smack them out of there. And so all that happened and he reorients the church back to its purpose of being a house of prayer. And then the next scripture is the one that starts to feed into my spirit and it said and they brought the lame and the blind to the temple and he healed them when it got back in order that's when the ministry started to really flow that's when people started to be healed and that's when people started to be touched and God says son prayer matters when you don't know what to do prayer matters when there's evil and injustice, prayer matters. Prayer always makes a difference. Get it back in top priority. Don't let it be the last thing that you do. That's, that's how we are. Someone says we need to pray, and we go, has it come to that? That should be the first thing that we move to do, is to pray. And God is just moving in that kind of way. 
And I learned that God has, I have my starting place, and God has his starting place. And uh, the last thing that this triumphal entry teaches me is that when God starts changing things, it tends to make us uncomfortable because he starts changing areas that we weren't expecting him to change. And that can be uncomfortable. Uh, one of my friends who's a supervisor named Sam Rockwell, he said it well. He said, the price of freedom is anxiety. Because when things have a hold of you, we don't let go of them easy, and it makes us very anxious to have to turn loose of stuff, doesn't it? We've been comfortable with that sort of thing. In strategic leadership, it's called chaos theory. That when chaos starts, we start thinking where we weren't before. <laughs> How do I get out of this mess? And all of a sudden, I start thinking, looking for answers when I can't fix it. And it gets us back to sinking, thinking. Well, it's how it works, everybody. You want new wine? Grapes have to be crushed. You want anointing oil? Olives have to be crushed. It's always through those breakings that there are real releases of the Spirit. And Jesus comes to his temple that day, and he says, Remember now, take heed how you build my house and how you build the foundation. And then it begins to work. So I'm going to conclude with a couple of statements. Albert Einstein said this, The problems of this world cannot be solved by the same thinking that created them to begin with. More of the same is going to give us, that's called you reap what you sow. Abraham Lincoln said it this way, as a nation divided, he said, the, the dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate for the stormy present. Yesterday doesn't always fix today. And then he went on to say, the occasion is piled high with difficulty. And as our case is new, we must think new and act new. We need a fresh word from God, everybody. That's all I'm saying. I'm not even saying what that word is. But I am saying that the house of God was designed by the Lord in such a way that his blessing would flow from it. And that it would flow when people prayed and then notched it up and prayed some more and did what he wanted rather than what they wanted. And then God could do something in our midst. Matt Redman wrote a song saying, Make my life an offering, Lord, of worship unto you. That song, I had the Spirit of the Lord. This is what I'm going to say. That song that, my brother sang, I, I wrote it down because one of those words, if you ever see me up here writing, I'm not texting. I'm writing what God's saying to me. You sang, let your love wash over me. I think that's what needs to happen. And I had a word. I'm going to give you the word. The Lord says, some of you are like Samson. You feel like you got your eyes gouged out. 
You don't feel like you can see things like you used to see things. And you're blinded to what you think you need to do. And you feel like you're chained to this grinding wheel like, like Samson was. And you just go in a circle. It's a circular kind of life. You just keep going around. It's the same scenery. It's repeating the same old thing over and over again. And like Samson, you said, if I could just have his power touch me one more time. And then I heard that song. And the Lord says, for those who need it, I'm going to let my love wash over them today. God is love. We just can't do anything more than that. I dare not speak unless his love washes over me. Amen? Amen. Y'all want to come sing that? I think we should sing that. Yeah, come ahead. And let's have a moment of worship. And then let's have a moment of prayer. And I want you to be thinking. I think the greatest thing the church can do is pray to Jesus. And then do what he says. I think that's about as good as it can get. And I did say, do what he said. It's got to be more than lip service. It's got to move to action at some point in time. So they're going to sing, and then we're going to worship for a second, and then we're going to pray. Because how could we ever talk about a double emphasis of prayer and not pray? And I want you to think about something you really need an answer from God about. And I'm not going to ask you to proclaim it in front of everybody. We're just going to pray. And, and I, my pastor, years ago, sometimes God does crazy-sounding things that don't make sense. And he was in a church service, and all of a sudden, in the middle of his message, he stopped and he said, I'm going to say one word that the Holy Spirit's speaking to me right now, and it's not going to make any sense to anybody in the room but one person. And he said, Buttermilk. What? And there was a man visiting the church that night that had had stomach problems for three or four years. And something just clicked in his mind. And he went home and drank a glass of buttermilk and God healed him. Isn't that crazy? God just might say something that might just be for you and nobody else. And so let's worship with that song for a moment. And uh, you can put the words up. So, yeah.
join me. Amen. Well, let's just finish with a moment of prayer and let the love of the Lord wash over. And uh, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us started, but I'm going to let your pastor lead you into a place of prayer. This is one thing that I understand. I know the Spirit might show me something to say, but He lives with you and I don't. So I'm never going to presume that I really know everything that you need to do. Uh, that would be very presumptuous of me. At best, if God says, say this, I can say that. And then, but then it's up to you. If you got something just right there where you're standing, then you said, you know, I heard what you said today. And things have been a little chaotic for me. Things have been disturbing. And I'm kind of like you. My spirit's not comfortable right now, but I think that's a good thing because it's making me seek God more. Is that you? You got some of those things? How many of you have things you need God to really do? I mean, just, just between you and him, you're just saying, yeah, I do. So let's just pray right now that God will just kind of give you a buttermilk kind of word. It's one just for you. Now let's pray. Lord, you're looking over your people this morning right now, and you love every one of them. And there are plans that you have for their lives that are unbelievable. And everybody has different kinds of circumstances, and sometimes we find our season is everything we dreamed it would be and everything. Sometimes there are seasons when it looks like it's nothing but a nightmare. And Father, we live in a world where sin abounds and wickedness abounds. And Lord, we live in a place where we find ourselves subjected to the will of man at various times. But we know that nothing prevents you from bringing your purpose to pass. So, Lord, we're turning this into a house of prayer. And right now, in your own way, would you just ask God what you want from him and what would help you with him? Ask him. You don't have to ask it out loud, but you just talk to God. And he's talking. And while you're talking, the Lord says, I'm washing over you with love right now. I'm just washing over my people. I'm washing obstacles and hindrances out of the way. I'm washing things that would stand between us. And they're getting washed away. I'm just going to say what I hear the Lord saying. He's saying, for some of you, you've had these long-term struggles, and I'm washing over some of those right now. And I'm moving them to the side. And I'm giving you a free pathway to my presence, and I'm orchestrating my will for your life. And I'm going to show you things that you haven't seen before because I don't mind showing up for you. I'm starting, for others, he's saying, I'm starting in some places and you were expecting me to start somewhere else, but don't make the mistake like the Romans of that day did. Know that I'm working where you don't see me. I'm setting things up for you. And I'm doing a mighty work right now. In Jesus' name. Would you say this with me to the Lord? Just say, Lord, let your love wash over me now. Just wash over me. Lord, people that couldn't see, you're giving them the sight to see things right now. Those that have been going in a circle, Lord, that you're mapping a path out for them right now. And you're moving them into the future with a plan. Father, we give you thanks. Let your spirit wash over me, 
my church, my city, my state, my nation, this world. And Father, let it be what you created and designed it to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, go right ahead. Lord, I thank you that you are good and you only want to work good in our lives, Lord. Thank you so much for that. We trust you. Jehoshaphat, when he was faced with insurmountable odds, he said, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't have the power, but my eyes are on you. And so, Lord, this morning, that's what we, we say, Lord. Our eyes are on you. Our expectations and our hope is in you. It's not in, it's not in our ability. It's not in our knowledge. It's not in our wealth. It's not in anything except you, Lord. And in that situation, you showed up and brought a miraculous victory, and it was through praise. Had nothing to do with their ability to go out and fight a battle. And I thank you, Lord, that you have already won the victory. You have already put all things under your feet, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to begin to see ourselves as people who can put things under our feet as well. Oh, God, we need you today. Show us who you are, Lord. Let us see you as you are, and we'll, we'll believe who you are, and we'll know that you are who you say you are, and you'll do what you said you'd do. Lord, we trust you. Our eyes are on you, Lord. And I thank you that you are bringing deliverance and victory and healing in all the different areas, Lord, that we've prayed for this morning. Speak that word, that word that we need to hear, that one word that changes everything. We rejoice over that. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, but if, if, if you need to go, yeah, that's okay. But I just don't think we're, we're quite through. This is the opportunity for us to hear from God. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He's, he wants to speak to us. Let's not rush out. Let's not leave things undone. Let's give him a chance to finish that work that he wants to do today because he wants to speak to each one of us about the situations in our life. Lord, we're here. We're here just like, just like the people in the Bible said, speak for your servant is here. We want to hear what you say, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
has been disrupted or displayed for whoever needs. Okay. Oh, if you if you feel like you can't find any peace right now, and you've you've been praying, you've been reading scripture, you've been doing the things you know to do, and it still just seems to be eluding you, then. Um, if you want to come come to the altar, we'll we'll pray with you. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. Maybe you don't want to come to the altar, but we'll pray as a as a body and we'll agree together. Lord, we we have our eyes focused on you. And we, just like that man told Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord, we, we get distracted. Things happen that distracts us where our eyes begin to, to drift away. And so, Lord, today, today, Lord God, we want to see you. We want to be focused on you with laser intention, Lord, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be distracted, that that our focus could stay on you. We need your help, Lord. We recognize that we're weak. We recognize that we're flawed. We recognize that we are a, but dust. But you, Lord God, you know everything about us. You know our frame, how we were created. You know everything. And so, Lord, today we need you. Keep our eyes on you, Lord. Help us to stay focused on you because that's, that's the key, the answer to everything is when we stay focused on you. You will take care of your part. Our part is just to trust you. And so help us. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us to see that you are the prince of all peace, Lord Jesus. And your peace will rule and reign forever. And there will be no end to your rule of peace, Lord. And we trust in that. I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing peace over your people. You came into that room with your disciples and they were shaken in fear and you just said, peace. I speak peace over you. Peace, I'll leave it with you. It's not like the world has. This is a peace. This is a peace that only I can give. So that's what the Lord is saying this morning. He said, peace, be still. Peace, be still over every circumstance in your life. Peace, be still. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you glory, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Pray that the prayer that those words that were made, every heart could be to hear that right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He did come to heal the brokenhearted. He did come to give us his peace. He is our peace. And he has broken down that wall, the wall that separated us from God. He's broken that down, and he's just, he's just blotted it out by nailing it to his cross. So much more than we can ever comprehend. But God, he wants to pour out his goodness and his blessing and his peace on us in such a way that, that nothing that the enemy does, nothing that this world does, no circumstance of life can discourage us or beat us down because we know in whom we have believed and who we have entrusted everything to. Hallelujah. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. God wants you to be assured that you can have peace. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be distraught. And you don't have to know everything either. You just have to know that God says to you, I've got this, and I'm giving you my peace. Peace that will overthrow all the chaos in this world. Peace that will overcome. I'm giving you a light that will wipe out the darkness, light the way so you can walk with hope, joy, and peace about the future. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to dismiss you, but you're welcome to stay and pray and hang out. But uh, I know some people have places to go and things to do. So God bless you. And I, I would say this, God was here today. If you missed out on that, I don't know where you were. It'd be pretty hard to be here and not experience the Lord today. Thank you, Brother Kim. Lord bless you.